Welcome to Career Buzz, the unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. Today on your show, career change stories leading to the job of early human development facilitator, also known as teacher. Hi, I'm Mark Franklin, practice leader of a team of professional career counselors at careercycles.com and co-founder of One Life Tools. I'm pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in. Ever wondered why people change careers to become educators? What are some of the push and pull factors and backstories that would lead, let's say, a diplomat or a project manager to change careers and become a teacher? Noah Daniel is a classroom teacher near Toronto. Through her consulting work at Building Outside the Block, she creates projects and initiatives for schools, boards, and communities. Noah is the co-founder and executive director of The Mentory, a mentorship community for educators. She is also a blogger, a children's book author, and podcaster on On Ed Mentors podcast. Today on Career Buzz, we play an episode of On Ed Mentors called Second Career Educators. We're grateful to host Noah Daniel and her guests, Aggie Gassier, Jennifer Gates, Shyama Sunder, and Jason Lay. Happy Monday, everyone. It's Mentor Monday, and welcome to On Ed Mentors. I'm your host, Noah Daniel. On Ed Mentors originated here on Voice Ed Radio and helps to inform and fuel our work at The Mentory, where our goal is to cultivate a collaborative mentorship community for educators grounded in professional learning, well-being, and efficacy by giving us a place to listen to and learn from each other. On Ed Mentors is about mentorship on educational topics, and each week I gather a different panel of voices of educators within and beyond borders to explore a topic that I hope is relevant and timely for educators. Before I introduce tonight's panel, I want our audience to be aware that they can follow the conversation on Twitter from our handle at The Mentory using our show hashtag OnEdMentors. That's O-N-E-D-M-E-N-T-O-R-S. If you have an idea that you want to share, including what your first career was, or a question you want to ask the panel, we'll be monitoring our handle and the hashtag throughout the show. A few months back, I was in the staff room at my school, and a colleague mentioned her formal, former career. I was fascinated by what she did and so curious about her move to education. It compelled me to do an episode on this topic. So I posted an invitation on Twitter and the first few respondents are here on our panel tonight. I'm so excited to welcome each of them and I will begin with my colleague, Aggie. Aggie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Sure. So my name is Aggie. I work uh, at the York Region District School Board with Noah, obviously. I'm the colleague (laughs) she was speaking to in the staff room. Um, I've been in education for, uh, this will be my 11th year teaching, and I'm currently in the library as the teacher librarian and in a split grade one, two. Well, thank you so much for being here and not new to Voice Ed Radio or to me, but I'm so excited that you're here to talk about this topic that's come up in a few of our conversation. Jason Lay, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Noah, for inviting me. Um, Yeah, this is a really exciting topic for me. I'm currently the department head. I'm also with the York Region District School Board, and I've been teaching for about 14 years now. Wonderful. Thank you. When Shima started weighing in on this topic, it really got me thinking and got a lot of people excited about what's possible. I'm excited to hear her story and I'm glad that she's here on the show tonight. Shima, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Noah. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a little nervous, but uh, thank you very much. <clears throat> so far, Aggie and Jason mentioned that they have been in this career for about more than five years, I would say, whereas I am quite junior that way. I'm just entering my fifth year as a teacher, even though it's my second career. Um, I am with PDSB. I work at a beautiful school called Silver Creek in Mississauga. Okay, well, thank you. We'll learn more about you and what you're doing soon. Thank you. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. What a thrill to be here. I've been talking to you on Twitter for a long time, but tell us where you're at. I'm currently working at the Toronto District School Board, and I work at a lovely, lovely school and um, am employed as a half-time vice principal and half-time educator and full-time excited uh, teacher and <laughs> um, very thrilled to be connecting and engaging with the Toronto community. I have been a teacher or in the education profession for about 18 to 20 years and started at the university level and have worked at almost every level and I'm glad to still be contributing and, and um, engaging at uh, some key levels, especially at the school level. So I'm happy to be with all of you and to learn from all of you tonight. Fantastic. And Joe Persia, who is in our community, has been leading and really excited for you to be able to be here as well, Joe, who rounds out the panel tonight. Joe? Thank you very much, Noah, and uh, uh, glad to meet everybody who, who's already introduced themselves. Yes, I've, um, I've been in education for, well, I'm probably about 20, 23, 24 years now recently uh, transitioned into an administrative role where I am with the Brant Haldeman Norfolk Catholic District School Board at a school called St. Joseph's in Simcoe, Ontario, where I'm the vice principal now and have taught subject or taught grade levels everywhere from grade seven, eight down to kindergarten, but spent probably about 12 years in a kindergarten classroom, which is my absolute favorite, uh, apart from what I'm doing right now, which is an administrative role. I want to hear more about all of those things. But I know a lot of people are really excited to hear this conversation, but also to engage in this conversation. So for people that are listening live, if you would just share what some of your previous careers were, as our panel starts to share a little bit about their first career and why they chose instead to go into education. We've heard from Don Lane already, who was in graphic design. Teresa Meikle was an accounting and payroll administrator. And there are a few others I'll share throughout the show. But I'll start with our panel. Whomever wants to begin this conversation, you'll raise your hands. And I'm excited to start hearing where you came from. So we'll go Joe and then Jason. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I guess my transition to education came relatively naturally. I was working in retail and had it progressed to the point where I was actually doing retail sales training and um, began that way to get a real feel for what it was like to to see that those light bulbs go on, that we, those teachable moments and those aha moments that we as educators now enjoy so much. But uh, so my career I uh, pivoted to education from retail sales training. Well, that is not a pivot you hear about every day. And I can't wait to hear more about that as we go deeper. So Jason and then Shima. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing my MBA, uh, the last semester, 
I spent it in Seoul, South Korea uh, as an international student. Then I moved to Taiwan to learn Mandarin. And I ended up uh, living in Asia and working there for seven years. So um, I think I reached a stage where I wanted to really make a difference um, because I was working in sales and marketing similar to Joe. And so I, I guess my kids started growing up, got involved in their activities, and that's why I decided uh, education would be a great field to, uh, to get into. It is a great deal to get into, but we'll hear more in a minute. Shaima? Okay, so mine is a little different. So as you can see from my voice, uh, you know, I'm from India, um, originally from a very small city called Pondicherry, which a lot of people do not know about. So when I came to Canada, uh, which was 25 years ago, um, I come from a family of teachers. My, par my parents, both my parents were educators. My mom is a retired teacher. My uncles, aunts, I have so many family members back home in India who are all into education. So when I came to Canada as a new immigrant, I thought teaching was really not for me. I wanted a fancier title. I came from India with the MBA background. So not knowing the early growing pains of being a first generation in Canada, I just thought, oh, I'm gonna make it big as a project manager because the title was very fancier and it had a lot of market value back home. If I call, if I call myself as a project manager in Canada versus <laughs> just a teacher because teaching as such, believe it or not, does not have the image that a project manager might have otherwise. And I also thought teaching was too easy, but then 25 years later, now that I'm in this profession, I know teaching is nothing like being easy. If anything, it's one of the hardest <laughs> jobs in the world. And uh, project management, you know, which I did for about 15 years, I, I did work for multinational companies, but my personality was not cut out for it. I, I could not do politics in the corporate world. My heart was not in it. I really got burnt out after some time. And, and, and it was, I was in a very dark phase for some time. And then my friend, I have a friend in TDSP, her name is Neela, and I owe everything to her actually. She mm. nudged me, so along with my mom, and they both pushed me to go back to the to teacher's college, which I did two years of teacher's training. And long story short, it's five years into teaching. I love going to school every day. I can't say enough about what a change it has been for me to come from where I was in my life in Canada to where I am now. And, and I'm really, really, really happy that I made that switch. And, and, and that's what I wanna share here as a background. Wow, that was such a wholehearted story and such an incredible thing. I think that perception of what we do or that misperception of what we do and the lack of cachet in the title is a really interesting part about being a teacher. Let's just hear from everybody else. Jennifer? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my background is varied. I went from journalism and um, be working in news to being an educator. And prior to that, had worked for a long time off and on as a young person in the performing arts. And so I ended up falling into work that combined both work in journalism and the performing arts by teaching at, uh, at that time, the local university courses in communications and performance and acting. And the opportunity to work with young people and many um, young and positively oriented 
Jennifer, you were saying really interesting things, but you cut out for just a minute. So could you just backtrack for a second? You were talking about communications and acting, and then you cut out. Okay, we're going to get Jennifer back. In the meantime, let's hear from Aggie. Uh, yeah, so uh, I love hearing about where everybody came from and landed in education. Um, I was kind of that teen 20-year-old who had no idea what they wanted to do with their life. And I sort of fell into my first career um, as a diplomat, which is really random. Uh, I wrote some civil servant exams on a whim and passed, and then uh, got a call from the government of Canada when I was traveling in Europe to come in for an interview. Um, so I sort of fell into that first career uh, representing Canada in Ottawa and then abroad. And I did that for five years, but I was in my, I would say, mid-20s when I started. Um, and I guess uh, what uh, Shima said, sort of her heart never being in it, I think I can relate to that a lot. Um, I never was really excited to get up for work. And more than that, I kind of suffered from imposter syndrome. Um, I always kind of felt like I was saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing at work. Um, and then I kind of started thinking, what did I really want to do growing up? What did I always gravitate towards? And I always, when people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always ended up saying teacher. And so um, completely on a whim, I decided to take a leave of absence from work. And I um, applied to Teachers College and I got in and I told myself I would do the program. And if I got hired out of Teachers College, I would do the career switch. And if I didn't, I would just go back to being a diplomat. And uh, I guess what was meant to be was meant to be because I got hired straight out of Teachers College with YRDSB and I haven't looked back. So um, I always say when I changed careers, I've never worked harder and longer hours for less money. <laughs> so it was a huge pay cut, <laughs> a huge pay cut. Uh, and it was, uh, I was in my late 20s and um, I'm glad I did it when I did because I think now with a family of two young boys, I wouldn't be able to do such a massive career switch. But it was the best decision for me back then, and I'm really glad I did it. And I'm glad you did it because I get to work <laughs> with you. But I want to go back to Jennifer who got cut off, and I think we have her back. Jennifer? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Sorry I fell out there, but, you know, we're all used to technical glitches having come through all we've lived through in the last five for years. Sure. And technology, you know, is something I, I, I understand well, having used it for a long time. But, yeah, so I, I ended up going, in my background, going from one form of storytelling, essentially, to another. And the relationships that we form with people, I think, are everything. So having a background in communications and broadcast and, and, and in news, in journalism, trying to tell stories, find the heart of it and connect with people, sometimes under stressful circumstances, turned out to be literally the perfect uh, growth period and playing ground for me to learn what it takes to be and relate to children, be an engaging teacher and connect adults and children um, to the things we want them to learn and take away and work together for um, toward a common goal. And, and I, I had no idea at the time how great it would be, a training ground, and also to be able to use those skills 
in a profession where very often we are working against a clock under stressful circumstances and, and sometimes breaking down very complex information or difficult and trying information for others in such a way that you need it to really land well, to stick, if you will, and to be able to uh, connect with a lot of the families, the grown-ups of the children that we serve at all ages. And so for me, that's when been one of the most rewarding aspects of being in this profession is understanding how well we can serve one another. Uh, oh, I'm sure what you were saying was brilliant, but I, I got, I lost you. I love the idea of serving one another. I'm so glad you're speaking about, oh, goodness. Sorry, Jennifer, you're cutting in and out again. Um, you started to talk about um, supporting each other and you were talking about stakeholders. Okay, I know Stephen's going to talk to Jennifer and try to get her back yet again. Um, it's true, post-COVID, we roll with so much more than we ever did before, and we understand that technology comes with challenges. Um, Joe, what did you want to add? Well, I, I was struck by Shaima's comment about the, the title of teacher. And really, I think it's more of a, a, a westernized cultural thing that the the name, the nomenclature of the profession teacher doesn't carry as much weight as it might in in perhaps even other parts of the world. Um, and, and that could be somewhat philosophical if you talk about, uh, you look at the original ideas about education was that, that you have this empty vessel that you're trying to fill with the knowledge you have. And then, but that's not really what education, that's not how those of us that are in education right now view education. Um, and I, I was also struck by something that Fraser Mustard, the late great Fraser Mustard, said to me when I, I had a chance to meet with him on a couple of occasions. And I, I was a kindergarten teacher at the time, and he encouraged me to not consider myself a kindergarten teacher, but he gave me the title Early Human Development Facilitator. <laughs> I love that. And so that's what I my, – my email signature had, you know – Joseph Persia, Brand Haldeman Norfolk Catholic District School Board, Early Human Development Facilitator. And the number of questions that I received about that email address and that, that signature line were incredible. And I'd say, yeah, I, t I teach kindergarten, but that's not all I teach. But I'm, I'm helping these kids develop as young humans. I, I really think that what you're saying is so interesting. And I would love to do an exercise with the faculty of education class about all the things they perceive education to be and then kind of catch up with them a few years later and see if they would redefine those job titles. I think that's a really interesting thing that you added, Joe, and the whole idea of early human development facilitator. I think we're all facilitators of learning, but I'm really curious about your experiences coming into education. But first, we'll go to Shaima and then Aggie. I just wanted to clarify something. When I meant, uh, you know, just a teacher, it was more from the humor side of telling you how naive I was, um, <laughs> how I did not know anything better at that time. And, and that was my reference to that, uh, you know, calling myself as, oh, I just I don't want to be a teacher. I would rather be a project manager. So it was that. And, and to go back to what he's saying, you know, I would lately I have been talking about myself, e even not not even as a teacher. I always consider myself as a gardener. And I have, you know, I've written about it during my university, two years of teacher training where we had to do some assignment. And I literally wrote a paragraph of how teachers are gardeners. And what we do on a daily basis is we are planting seeds, not 
not even knowing what the results are going to be, but we plant seeds, we water them, we nurture them. And so if anything, teachers are perfect seasoned gardeners. And so I have all respect now that I'm in this profession. I, if anything, teaching is the best, one of the best jobs. Uh, and similar to doctors, I have high regard for doctors. So I was only joking about just being a teacher because that was my original way of looking at this profession in a very demeaning way because everybody in my family was teacher and I was so surrounded by them and I was like what is this you know it, it, that was what it was actually so I hope no, it I, I'm, yeah I don't I don't think anybody was offended by it I think all educators are are used to that and there's certainly a disconnect between people in the profession and people who perceive that they understand the profession and I think that putting that just in there was really an important part of this conversation because it's part of your perception of what you're coming into. And it's also related to, you know, I, I have shared this many times, but if you go to a dinner party and people ask you three questions and the conversation seems to end, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher. What grade do you teach? Where do you teach? And that's it because they think that they know what you do after that because everybody has a shared experience of teaching, but mm. nobody knows unless yes. they've been yes. in the classroom and yes. in the school what we really do. And there is no just. We are teachers and there are many layers to that. And each yes. of us take on this important duty in, in different ways, but hopefully Shima in the same wholehearted way that you came to it. Aggie? Yeah. Um, yeah, just to build on that, um, I think it was Joe who was saying early human development facilitator. Did I get that right? <laughs> um, it's a mouthful. Um, but I remember being in teacher's college and having one of my educators uh, at the university say, you know, people are always going to ask you, um, what do you teach? And your instinct is going to say, oh, I teach math or I teach English or science. But really what you're teaching is you're teaching like little human people. And that really stuck with me because it's true. It's, it doesn't really matter what subject you're teaching. It's really the students in front of you. And um, Shima's comment about, you know, just a teacher, um, which I obviously took with a grain of salt because I knew she was joking. Um, it reminds me of that poem, What Teachers Make uh, by Taylor Molly, if anyone's heard it. Mm, yeah. And it's just a wonderful sort of look at how society sometimes views teachers and, and, how sort of when I tell, for example, people what I used to do, they're always way more interested in my previous career and have a lot more questions about, okay, well, what did you do as a diplomat versus, <laughs> mm -hmm. so what do you do in the classroom every day, which is not really exciting <laughs> to many people. But to me, I love it. I love getting up every morning to go to work now, which I didn't in, in my past life. So um, I think at the end of the day, being just a teacher, um, if it's what sets your soul on fire, then, you know, so be it go and do it. Yeah, and it's definitely so much more complex than any kind of just could be thrown at you. But part of part of that just is, you know, you're not just somebody becoming a teacher, you're somebody with a lot of lived experiences and a lot of skill in a lot of areas. So what was it like going through the process of becoming a teacher and that experience in the faculty? Did you feel recognized for those things? Did you feel in line with the people that you were learning around joe yeah no actually i as a as a mature student returning to teachers college i found, i found it very interesting that a number of the kids who were fresh out of their undergrad work who were who were sitting in class next to me asking me questions about what it was like in the work world and you know to you know and and mm. why why on earth would i consider leaving what i had 
to come do something at, at, at my age. And I'm doing the air quote thing now when I say my age, because, <laughs> because I, I was 39 returning to, to teacher's college. So those of you that are doing the math, I said I was, uh, you know, in, in over 20 years. Yes, my, my eligible date to retire was uh, last month. And of course, when this opportunity to move into administration came along, I felt re-energized. So it was the opportunity to learn more, to do more, to be more was what motivated me. But going, and, and that's really how I approached teacher's college. And I think that energy and enthusiasm helped bring a number of my younger colleagues or my younger my younger peers in in within this teachers college cohort to me and and the the teamwork and the collaborative work that we did on some of our projects some of our lesson planning assignments i was able to let them know like hey you know what you're thinking about doing there i don't really think that's going to work and here's why because i had that retail sales training experience which was uh, again, very helpful to me. So that's just a little bit about my experience. No, but it's interesting. Like there, there are things we can do from the previous experiences, especially as a professional that really can find a place in education and evolve. It's so funny that people were so interested and in, in, in a quandary about your choices, Aggie and then Jason. Um, my experience was uh, amazing in terms of going back to school. I always loved being in in university. Um, I was also considered a mature student at 28, which I found really funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> I went, uh, I think I was one of the one of the uh, last few years to do uh, education or teachers college when it was just one year, because I know mm. soon after I graduated, they changed it to a two year program. Um, I don't really feel like my previous career contributed to my success in the faculty of education per se, but it definitely helped when it came time to interview for jobs. Um, I felt like my position working in diplomacy with uh, <laughs> high-ranking individuals in various governments around the world helped in terms of positioning myself well and selling myself well in a way that I had been previously selling the Canadian government, you could say. Um, and I will add, I know we're probably going to talk about this later, but the work I used to do definitely helps with my communication with parents now um, dealing with, um, sort of, um, high stress conversations with parents who are unhappy about something that's going on at school is a lot easier for me than I feel for some other um, colleagues. Um, just because I'm used to dealing with those kind of conversations from my previous career, but the faculty of education itself, I can't say my diplomacy helped, but I did love it. I can't speak highly enough. Can't speak enough highly. That doesn't make sense. You know what I'm trying to where, say. Where did you go to the faculty then? I went to uh, University of Ottawa and mm -hmm. I did the concurrent uh, French program. So I actually graduated after one year already having my uh, FSL part one from um, like qualified to teach French right out of graduation, which I think is the only way I got hired straight out of school too. Well, listen, it's wonderful. Yeah. And we have a very special relationship with you, Ottawa, that we do a lot of work with and it's always nice to hear a shout out to that program jason and then shima yeah i can relate to um being at the mature student in a class like i went back to school when i was 43 so i had two kids in elementary school and i had a mortgage so i i had to make sure that this was really what i wanted to do wow. to quit my mm -hmm. job 
And I was fortunate I did, um, at that time when I went to OISE, um, the professor, um, she made sure that all the students had some business background. So, it, so I felt it was a good environment for me. It, it helped that um, I had uh, students that were accountants, lawyers, um, entrepreneurs, all different backgrounds in my class. So it was a really interesting experience just to hear everybody's story. Hold on. You're professor instructor encouraged you to have a business background in order to go into education or because you were going to be a high school teacher and wanting to teach business oh so the the professor that recruited the class she she looked for specific specifically for students that actually had worked for a number of years so i i didn't feel out of place that i had experience in the workplace. So it, it made me more comfortable uh, fitting in. Sure. And it's so validating when you're welcomed. You know, there there's this great quote from Cornelius Miner's book about valuing people's lived experiences. And just because you're new to education doesn't mean you're new to the world and that there are so many things that you bring with you. And just because you're a veteran teacher doesn't mean you don't have things to learn. So I appreciate that you said that. It's nice that you were made to feel comfortable. Shaima? Yeah, so just like Aggie, um, mine was also a two-year program, and it was so unfortunate that I was in the second batch of this two-year program because until then it used to be ten months of teachers training, and and as just like Jason, I entered into this teachers training program when I was forty-five. It's pretty late, so the for me from my story, the whole process was not easy for me since I did not do any type of formal education in Ontario. So I had to spend a lot of time doing research on the institutions that offered teachers training programs, the length, places, cost, etc. And the documentation, the paperwork, you know, like getting the transcripts mailed directly to university admissions, and then my 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 past degrees evaluated by World Education Services from US and then the reference letters. And I did my post-graduation in 1992. And then they're asking me to get all these transcripts, the original transcripts from India. So all that was a project by itself. And I'm so sure. I personally feel that the process will be a lot easier for anyone who has done his or her schooling here in Canada to pursue a teacher's training versus international adults, mature adults like me who want to start this career as a second career. It wasn't easy at all. And also, I, personally, I found the internship and practicum placements during my teacher's training to be a lot more useful than the theory or, or, or the classroom assignments that we did. It, it, I really found that to be a complete waste of our time. And as Jason was saying, in my class also, 95% of my classmates were in their early to mid-20s, where I was almost double their age. So I did feel out of place most often like an outsider. But but the teacher's training itself helped me understand the school system and all the, you know, all about curricular documents, assessment practices, the legal mm -hmm. protocols, et cetera, which I was literally clueless otherwise until I got certified. So I really appreciate that if somebody is completely new to this education from an international perspective, it is important that they do get some kind of training or some kind of adequate ex exposure to our current school system. Otherwise, it would be very, very difficult for them to be a good teacher or to be a very successful teacher. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point. Terry just tweeted that she resisted going into education because she thought it was too expected and too ordinary. And I think, Shaima, you could probably connect to that based on your story. But then she added, I could never have predicted the path my career would take and the opportunities I would have. So much growth and so many wonderful relationships. And it's so true. Um, I think that this conversation is giving me many, many ideas about ways that we can accommodate people and their the many skills that they bring into education, but also to balance that, you know, pedagogical learning to that practical learning, which I think all faculties really do want to do. Um, let's talk though about how your second career, um, edu- how as a second career educator, you've been able to utilize some of the skills that you have built. How did those previous careers impact your education experiences and practice? Jason? Yeah, um, I think the biggest impact, because um, right now I'm teaching business, is that I make sure what I teach my students is, is authentic. So it's related to the current business world. So for example, I have students um, create their own business. I, and so I give them feedback as to what they're creating. Is it realistic? So they have to create a summer company. Or in my international business program, because I have that background, I have the students launch a Canadian company into an international market. And so I'm able to bring them, bring to them my experiences in in launching um, new products into other markets. So I, I feel um, it. Uh, the students um, they they're more engaged because of, of they're able to hear real life experiences and really uh, think of concrete examples that um, they could actually apply in the real world. It really does make a difference. I remember when I was in my graduate degree at OISE and the professors would be talking about, you know, their business experience in the consulting course and talking about their consulting work. And it was just like, it was amazing to hear how they had authentic applications for the things that they were teaching. And sometimes, and I really learned over COVID how to have experts come in the classroom so my students could hear exactly what you're able to bring to your students from your own experience. And it really, it really punctuates the value of those authentic project-based learning opportunities that teachers can provide for students to see why these are skills that we cultivate in the classroom. Thank you for raising that. Aggie and then Shaima. Uh, so for me, I uh, my undergraduate degree from McGill was uh, a major in sociology and a minor in political science, uh, international relations. So I've always been drawn to politics and, and especially with the international angle. So in terms of content that I teach, um, when I was teaching uh, intermediate students, geography and history, I loved bringing in that experience both from my undergraduate years and then my lived experiences being a diplomat um, and sort of always focusing curriculum through the lens of current events going on in the world. Um, now teaching primary, it's a little harder to do, but I think also at any level, bringing in the skills of diplomacy and teaching students. I mean, in grade one, it's something as simple as 
you know, how do you solve a disagreement between friends over, you know, he didn't want to play with me at recess, all the way up to intermediate students dealing with with friendship drama that's much more complex and and sort of how to use those diplomatic skills and how to get your point across in a healthy manner. I think those are skills that I'm still using every day in the classroom. And that's part of what I love about teaching is because it's so multifaceted. There's, there's, I mean, what is it they say? It's like the teaching is the profession that teaches all others how to do all the other professions. So Mm -hmm. it's like you, you kind of wear so many hats in the classroom. It's, it's hard not to bring in your past experiences. I know, but in many ways, you're really advocating for that second career educator and the value that having the bevy of experiences that you've had and even expertise in a particular area to the classroom. I'm so happy that you're sharing that. Shaima and then Joe. So the point I want to add about um, how does our previous career impact our current education is definitely, uh, you know, about the real life experience. So, for example, I integrate a lot of contemporary real life examples, stories that my students would listen to me as part of my lessons. You know, whatever I do with them, I can talk about my previous experience and I insist on a daily basis, even though I teach dance, drama, music and French, I'm not a homeroom teacher. On a very regular basis, when I talk to my students, I talk to them how important it is to have time management skills, interpersonal skills, communication skills, uh, project management skills, how to be organized, all those, you know, stakeholder management. So all these are part of, and in fact, I always say that being a project manager is not very different from being a teacher. There you may, you know, you manage adult stakeholders. Here you are actually managing children. And, and in both worlds, one has to be extremely agile. Nothing is set in stone. Everything is constantly evolving. And if you're able to roll with, so I would rather be a project manager with the kids than be with adults. So, so that's one side of it. And the other thing I want to point out is even though I love what I'm doing as a teacher, what does bother me is in the education world, I don't want to sound negative or that's not my intention, but I see a lot of unpleasantness in the education space also it's Mm -hmm. very much like corporate politics you know what i have seen the things that i did not like in the corporate world i see a replica of a lot of that happening and and you are all much more you know veteran educators in this panel and you know what i'm talking about you know a lot of things that are happening that educators are not happy about that bothers me a lot i wish our space was much more pure uh, much more generous where the passionate people we could definitely do what we really want to and and it was an idealistic space for us so that part i am missing in the education space and i wish it was much better than what it is right now well welcome to the mentry where things are a little bit sunshinier and certainly more positive shaima we can have a separate conversation about that i want to share what will gorley who by the way wrote a great piece i hope you read it i tweeted it out from both the mentry and um from my personal handle but will gorley wrote i think all teachers would benefit from diverse lift working experiences beyond academics before entering the classroom my first three hours were restaurants real estate and radio i would not have been ready in my youth And that is another point I've seen Will make. Um, A lot of those things that we can do need time to build and need time to find a place for within us before we're ready to share it and create spaces for it. Um, Okay, Joe and then Jennifer. Uh, I would like to suggest that Will might wanna add another R and that's retail. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, honestly, my my experience in in retail hasn't helped me. Well, and I I'm not really. I'm I'm struggling with how to describe this because it hasn't helped me with what I've shared with the students, but how I've shared with the students. So for example, in retail sales training, you might have a customer come into the store who is looking for product XYZ. Well, you might have product ABC, but it's your job as a retail employee to try to show that customer that product ABC might still be able to meet their needs. So, <laughs> it's, so interesting. It's, it's, marrying, it's marrying their needs with the products you have. So, and, and the way I apply that to education is by providing multiple entry points for students, when I, especially when I was in a kindergarten classroom, because you have children coming to you between the ages, in the year in which they turn four, so some of them were three years old, turning four between September and December, and, and some SK students who were already five going to be turning six. Um, so uh, that's quite an age gap. So providing play-based learning centers that could, you know, marry all these different entry points for all these kids to still benefit and develop along their learning continuum was, I mean, Thank goodness I had some wonderful early childhood education <laughs> partners to help me make some of these activities that were developmentally appropriate for the age group. But uh, that's how my previous retail experience really helped me was saying, okay, here's what this child needs and here's what I've got. How can I make this work? I really can relate to that. If you've seen my TED talk, you know that I worked in my dad's record store almost, you know, my entire youth. And that feeling of being able to find the right song, the right album, the right shirt or whatever paraphernalia for a person, it's a very exciting thing. And I think that, you know, going back to Shima's point about that positivity, being able to connect the child to the learning or or to the medium or whatever entry point they've chosen. It really is so exciting, especially when you find that medium for them that they had never thought of. And all of a sudden it's just, it's exactly what they needed for them to find an avenue out of their, out of their heads and into the work. It's, it is really exciting. And I think that point about how we can apply those skills is it, it, it just reminds you how many skills educators can and do need in the classroom. Jennifer, let's try again to add your voice to this conversation. I appreciate the opportunity. Can you hear me? Yes, I okay, can. Great. Well, uh, picking up on the theme, I think that a lot of the benefit uh, I have seen and lived as a result of working in communications and journalism has been in ways I had not expected. You were mentioning the ways in which the medium can influence and support students. It can be as simple as the ways in which we speak with one another, the words we choose, uh, a well-timed word that's uplifting or helps with problem solving has been an important aspect of what I've seen happen in my own life and career. And I think, too, for me, 
crisis management and taking complex problems and breaking them down in simple ways to be able to aid everyone and move something forward has also been an, an unexpected pleasure because so much of what occurs in the course of a day and for a, a teacher, be it someone new and or novice or tenured, you're navigating what we know to be thousands of decisions that are occurring at any weekly time and many of them can be high pressure points and a background in journalism uh, allowed me to be able to transition easily through crisis situations and some days it just seems like even the smallest thing can become a big issue or a big problem to solve for some of the most vulnerable people some of the most um, hard-working adults in in the building and and in the district or in the board and those are the kinds of things that I found very easy to um, to work within and to, to help be a person who adds value value and and to move the value forward of what we do so that's that's been a joy and also to be able to have the perspective of someone who brings in having worked in difficult circumstances um, being ahead of what we now consider social emotional learning and differentiation and all the things we know are critical accepting people for who they are and meeting kids right where they are all of that is something that I feel like many people who work in communications and journalism certainly I have brought with me because you almost have an instant and deep understanding of where people are and that that's perfect it's okay I accept you and see you for where you are and what you're doing and now let's work really hard to try and make sure you're taking away all of the things we want you to learn all the instruction and knowledge I need you to have as well as remember we're a community and we're getting along and, and we're trying to connect as people we're trying to drive out productive successful humans so for me that aspect of a communications and journalism background and, and performing arts has really been a dynamic and useful thing. Okay, well, I want to focus for a second on journalism and communication, but I, th I think that performing arts does connect. I think every teacher could benefit from learning about communications. I think that, you know, they, they can be so amazing um, what they're doing in the class, but part of our job is to communicate to parents and even, you know, to all of our learners and sometimes out into the world what it is that we're doing. And those those are essential skills. I mean, imagine all of you guys in one room. I would want that learning experience even as a seasoned professional 27 years into the job. I could learn so much from spending time with each of you. What a cool professional learning experience that would be is to take each of your expertise and try to develop some of it. Okay, I have a whole idea. We need to talk after the show. I have an idea. Anyway, okay, I wanna I wanna make sure we have time for some of the other questions because I think you may have experienced some unique challenges along the way, this being your second career. Has something come up for you that you're like nobody else who hasn't been in communications or performing arts or retail or you know, diplomacy, or, I mean, as a diplomat, I'm sure there are many aspects of that in business, or as a project manager, did something ever happen that you were like, wow, this, this is challenging me more, or this is uh, more interesting to me because of my previous experiences? Hmm. Jason? I, I found the biggest challenge, I guess, was when I Coming from business, I thought, well, I'm the expert. And so it took me a while to learn to really honor student voice and student agency and, and really step back there. And I started to really understand, I got to look at students as like my, my target market. And 
it's me that has to learn from my students and not the other way around. Because, and so that was, I think the biggest challenge for me to just be able to step back. I appreciate your honesty and the reflection. I think I think that that's a really important point that many educators without a, a first career could benefit from is to take a step back and leave that place. But I think especially when you do have expertise in an area, um, it can create an unconscious bias around what your role is. And you get into maybe kind of what you were saying, more of the imparting part as opposed to the cultivating part of our job. Did anybody else have difficulties from the panel, Jennifer? I would say that for me, one of the difficult things continues to be when you have other experience and you bring in professional experience from outside education is the red tape. There are so many layers, organizational layers, systemic layers. There are so many layers of things to cut through. And in the end, really what you want to do is make a sound decision for your student, for your classroom, for your school, for your board, for your district. And it can be very difficult to swim through and survive the number of um, obstacles very often. And understandably so. I'm not saying we don't need to be with without parameters. I'm not saying we don't need to be you know, as, as stringent as we are in terms of screening and the way we look out for one another. Um, but there can be a lot of unnecessary uh, layering to some of the decisions we make that should be pretty straightforward sometimes. And that's one thing that I still haven't gotten over this many years later. It can be a, a big challenge to try and get to the root of something and bring a, a, a lot of people together to, you know, for a common goal, we all agree that's what we're doing. Um, that that can be a big challenge as well. And I, I feel like we would benefit one another, but most specifically our students and our families, if we could start to really examine the ways in which we um, sometimes make overly complicated the processes and the and the systems we set up to try and put our kids in a place to shine. I concur. <laughs> My husband will often engage in these conversations like, how come it takes you 26 steps to get from A to B, but I just did it in one day in my job. And I'm like, you know, just kind of what you were saying, things are complicated and there are many layers, but I think you're right. There is a lot of red tape. There are extraneous challenges in education that maybe we could benefit from talking to people and other places that don't necessarily have that. But I think everything related to government seems to come with a little more red tape. Uh, Aggie and then Joe. I'm I'm laughing while on mute because it's uh, fascinating to hear it from other people's perspectives because, Noah, you just said there's a lot of red tape in government and coming from the federal level of government, you can only imagine the amount of red tape. I can't even. I feel actually, like so. each level of government, it gets more and more red. And, um, and that's actually one of the frustrations I had at my old job was how long it took to get anything done. So it was like if you were trying to initiate a visit between an ambassador and a prime minister, it was like months to do something that could literally be done in a week if people would just cut through all the red tape. And I actually found it refreshing moving to education and being in the classroom because I almost felt like I was in this little microcosm of my own little space where I could I could teach and there was no red tape. I, I, I could go into the classroom every morning and I had my lesson plans and I 
had my students and I had my day plans and things didn't always go as planned, but, but I could just teach. I didn't have to send a memo this way and that way and wait a day for a response. And that was refreshing to me. Um, for me though, I think the challenge was kind of a double-edged sword there because I, and I want to make sure I say this properly. I almost felt this pressure in terms of ensuring that my personal views weren't something that were always seeping into what I was teaching. So kind of going back to, I think it was Jason who was saying, you know, learn more from the students versus just teach the students. And I I had a really hard time making sure that um, I wasn't imparting just one viewpoint and it was my viewpoint in the classroom and how, how I viewed the world. And I think that was a challenge for me and it's, it's still an ongoing challenge. But I think it's important that you say that because any person that's doing the work, it it should be an ongoing challenge. We should always be questioning ourselves and always learning and always evolving. But it's so interesting. Like certainly nobody I've ever spoken to before has talked about trying to get an, an appointment with the prime minister. But at the same time, in, in systems like ours that are so complex, there is so much sanity and beauty in the autonomy of the classroom. There is no, and I, I've said this so many times, there's no more creative and beautiful space than the classroom. And there is a lot of freedom that we have, even when the curriculum can seem linear or confining, there are opportunities for us to be able to live in this moment and to be able to change what we are doing on a dime in view of a current event. It is an incredible thing. And we are more flexible than we realize sometimes. Joe? Yeah, no, I, I and I guess for me it was almost the reverse because when I was working in in the private sector in retail sales training, it, I was able to if I had a problem, I could solve it uh, or or at least attempt to. This move for me into administration provides me with somewhat of a higher altitude perspective, if that's not an overused cliche, but. Now the considerations I have, you, you talk about red tape, and but it's and it's. I don't like to think of it as red tape. I like to think of it as considering a broader perspective. And and I used to be guilty of it as well. I would sit in my classroom and say, well, why do why don't they just do it this way? It would be so much easier. But then when you move into an administrative role and you you recognize how one decision might impact this classroom and that classroom, and that means this has to change and the way things are done. So. It's really been a learning curve moving into administration to take a broader perspective for me than I ever had to in retail sales training. So it's been a, a very steep learning curve for me that way. Hmm. That's so interesting. Okay. I want to make sure we get this question in because if there are people listening outside education, you happened upon Voice Ed Radio or are listening with other people, what what advice would you offer someone considering education as a second career? Um, so I personally feel that um, it is really, if you are an international adult, um, not necessarily from Canada, and if you're a mature adult, 
I would say that uh, initially it will be a lot of struggle. And in order to, if anybody even remotely considering becoming a teacher, if you can spend some time and energy and put in a lot of effort to learn French, because Aggie also mentioned exactly this, if you have any French in your system, the only possibility of getting hired as quickly as you can as a teaching graduate is to have French. It's really, really important because I, so when I went through this G32 process, I just randomly, I was interested in applying to different provinces also across Canada from British Columbia all the way to the eastern part of Canada. The demand for French is unbelievable, whether it's core French or French immersion. It's just like hot, hot, hot. So I do, I did get hired as a French core French teacher. Um, so, so please try to have some element. And I also advocate, you know, a lot of my friends, families, everybody, for young children, you know, parents with youngsters as the children, I say, get some French, 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 French. If you learn French, you become a teacher, that's the best thing you can ever have. And then the second thing is, I also just very quickly point out that the education space is changing so rapidly right now. You know, the we are talking about you know, chat, GPT, virtual learning platforms where everything is freely available. So I also want us to be aware that we don't know five years from now how the space would be changing with technology. So we need to be a little bit aware of that. But I strongly feel that if you have the heart for it, come to teaching if you have the heart for it. Don't come there. Come to the, come to it for summer vacation. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I just wanted to add quickly, similar to Shima, really make sure it's what you want to do, it, um, that you're really passionate about it. And so volunteer and and see that you really love working with kids, because especially as a second career, uh, it's um, with all the obligations you have, you got to make sure you're, you're quitting your job for the right reasons. That's definitely important. Thank you, Joe. And then Aggie. Well. <laughs> Uh, like every good educator, when you when you first borrow a quotation, you you cite it, you give credit, and then eventually it becomes your own. I, those of you that are considering moving into education, there's a quotation that that uh, I I hold very dearly, and that is, schools are just buildings with four walls and tomorrow inside. So I know that quote. It was told to me in my first day in the Faculty of Education twenty so years ago. I don't know. University. I don't know of another profession where we get to shape our own tomorrows. I was just gonna say, um, if and I've said it before, if if teaching feels to you like it would set your soul on fire, go for it. But anything less, it would be a really hard career move and a really hard choice. Because it is, it is a lot of work and a lot of overtime work. We work outside the classroom hours, but if you can't imagine doing anything else, which I could never, I absolutely adore it. Go for it. And there's a Thank huge you. support system. Yes, there is. Yes. Jennifer. Yeah, I'm. I'm with Aggie. It is the greatest job, and the, our kids need the best of us in their lives, and especially in the classrooms facilitating what they learn. So if you're considering it, you should run straight toward it as fast as possible.
You've been listening to Career Buzz. Stories show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. You can find out more about us and get career counseling for you or someone you care about at careercycles.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email me. It's mark at careercycles.com. Thanks to my guests from On Ed Mentors, Noah Daniel, Aggie Gassier, Jennifer Gates, Shyama Sunder, and Jason Lay. Special thank you for this episode to Terry Rubinoff, who, in addition to being my wonderful cousin, is also with the mentor. Technical production was by Lucy Welsh. Subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app. Find it at the podcast link at careercycles.com. You can also subscribe to Watch for Clues and receive one per month email with Career Buzz insights and upcoming guests. Catch Career Buzz every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern on CIUT. That's it for today's episode of Career Buzz. Thank you for listening.